Here come the blue shirts. If you weren't awake to play in that kind of game, then you weren't made to play hockey in Madison Square Garden. He's got experience in the streets and in the alleys. (laughs) And in the alleys. He will whoop your ass. (laughs) I'm looking better now than I did before. Ron, it's all your fault. It's over for all of you. Once I'm on the team. Well, you're going to have to let me dress you, though. (laughs) Oh, 100%. That's going to be Ron Duguay's third act. Molly off the air. Wow. (laughs) Molly off the air. It's a whole different person. Up in the He'll blue court side, and I'll be <laughs> up in the blue seats. <laughs> Ooh, welcome back to Up in the Blue Seats, our New York Rangers podcast from the New York Post. I'm Jake Brown, the pod father here. Joining us later in the show will be the Post, Larry Brooks, of course. No guests, but we will hear from you, the listeners, the readers of the Post, with our Post Sports Plus member questions and we got a boatload of questions to get into let's welcome in rangers great number 10 ron duguay with his co-host the birthday girl the queen of the post molly walker ron happy birthday to you happy birthday to you you. happy birthday dear Molly. molly Happy birthday, birthday to, to you. you. We will not be trying out for American Idol anytime soon, but happy birthday, Molly. You're, are you five? Are you 10? Are you 15? Are you 20? Are you 25? Is that the, the year? Stop. <laughs> Big 25, quarter of a century in the books. And as, as sweet as that uh, rendition of happy birthday was, there wasn't much life in it. So I'm, I'm expecting a little bit better from you guys next time around. All right. <laughs> Right. I was I was just backing off. I was just letting Jake take the lead. But Molly, this is the one thing I did. <gasps> oh, I got you. Through the computer. But oh, thank you so much. It's the thought that counts. It's thank the you. thought that counts. Are we filming <laughs> The Bachelor or up in the blue seats? What is this? <laughs> that was room? very bacheloresque. It really was. It was. I appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> well, just to let everyone know, uh, Molly is in St. Louis getting ready for the game tonight jake is somewhere and i'm in las vegas viva. <laughs> yeah viva las vegas i i come here maybe once a year i've come here the last couple of years because of good friend bernie nichols friend of the show he's been on once also new york ranger uh along with bernie nichols we got a, other hockey guys mike keenan jeremy rona grant fewer so folks if you could just imagine so we have to go from a to z right we leave the hotel we go to the golf course and we uh, take a bus ride. And to that, that ride is like a 30, 40 minute ride. The conversation on that bus ride. And here's, here's what's kind of um, unique. And I observe these things. You have football players, baseball players, and hockey players. Football players usually sit at the front of the bus. Baseball players sit in the middle of the bus. Hockey players always gather in the back of the bus. And as by the time that we get to our location, some guys, football players, and uh, baseball players end up coming to the back because that's where the best stories are. So if you could just imagine guys who's, who've had a, a couple cocktails, they get Mike Keenan going with his story, Stanley Cup stories. And then you got Jeremy Roenick, who remembers everything. He's a real character. And then Grant Fuhrer, who's quiet, but with all the Stanley Cups and playing in Edmonton, play with Gretz, he quietly shares some inside information, what it was like. And so with but Mike Keenan, he's across the board. He can talk about the NHL. He can talk about various teams. He can talk about a lot of players, insights on players. He can talk about Canada Cup. 
he talks about everything. So uh, it's normally I'm quite, I say a lot, speak a lot, but I just sit back and listen. So um, there's a podcast right there in itself. Anyways, having yes. said no, all that. No, wait, I'm curious to hear what else you've been up to. Have you and Miss Sarah Palin been painting the town red in my favorite city? <laughs> oh, you have no idea what kind of attention <laughs> she gets. Oh and, my God. <laughs> and, it, and, and it's like, who's that boy toy on her arm? Because, <laughs> I mean, some know and some don't know. And uh, so it, I think everybody been... knows at this point, Ron. Yeah, well, <laughs> let's be real. Yeah. Anyways, it's it's all new to me. And so we're, you know, we uh, we like to give up our time and helping events and charity events, but it becomes bigger than that. So you were golfing with Johnny Damon, right? I was golfing with Johnny Damon uh, yesterday. Uh, Who could just say full... that so casually? He was like, yeah. oh, yeah, I was hitting a couple of golf balls with Johnny the, Damon. I was oh, like, was wait, what? Alcohol involved. Johnny, I know, <laughs> likes to wake up and have a beer at like 8 a.m. So, yeah. And, and the guys are very, it, for me, it's, it's always fun to be around other athletes, other sports, because you never really, because our game, hockey's played differently, right? It's a real physical game. And these other sports, although it's not as physical, these guys are tough guys, right? And Johnny Damon, you just see him how fitting and uh, what kind of a boot he is. And, uh, and then to watch him play golf, you can see the ones who are athletic and not less athletic, but baseball players are, are good golfers. He being a good golfer, we had a match. So it was Jeremy Roenick and I against him and one of the sponsors, and it came down right to the end. Of course, Jeremy and I, uh, Jeremy is a scratch golfer. So we ended up winning our match. I took a few dollars from uh, Johnny. <laughs> and, uh, and then what happens when you win the money, you take the money, you put it in a pot, then you go buy drinks. So you, you, you win the money, then it's, it's gone. So, but Johnny's, Johnny's a great guy. He's here with his wife. A few of his kids are here. And I don't know if you know, but he, I think he has eight kids. Yeah, he's got his family picture is huge. He's just a young man. So great guy. It was good to meet him. Him and uh, Marcus Allen's here. And uh, what a crew. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. All star crew. Everyone gets along, especially in the evenings. We have nice dinners, golf and all that. So having said that, uh, what are we going to talk about, Molly? Because, you know, here's the thing. I want to talk about last game against Minnesota. We uh, we can look at what happened. (laughs) Coach would always say, well, there's another team on the other side. Minnesota played really hard. Top two Lions really played hard. They're a good team. It's a team that's, uh, at this time of year, these teams are fighting to make the playoffs. So they went up against a good team. And then I look at the Rangers, and I'm thinking, are all their starters in? Nope. (laughs) (laughs) Where's the Sturkin? (laughs) And so, I mean, we keep talking about this. And uh, poor Georgiev, because he's a very likable kid. He works hard, does his best. But he hasn't been able to come up with the goods. And, of course, Coach gets asked that same question all the time. He says, hey, it is what it is. They feel like they have to arrest Igor. And they felt like that was a game to rest him. But at the end of the day, it's you can almost what are the chances of the Rangers winning when Georgiev is a net? And all these games are really important. And I say it's not just points, it's momentum, right? You win a big game, they were in Winnipeg, win a big game for one. And then to lose five two, there's a carryover into the next game when that happens. So that's my issue with all that. So, I mean, as a coach, what are you going to do? You don't know. You don't know what's going to happen. You're hoping that Georgiev will have a good game. And, and so we're just, I'm wondering, Molly, when is this experiment going to end? Are they going to continue doing this? 
I got to believe they got to be looking for a backup. It's a very unfortunate situation for Georgiev. And I wrote this the other night. If you think about it, if you think about him as a goaltender, everybody knows he has the mindset of a starter. He thinks he's a starter. In the beginning of his career, he his numbers were starters numbers. But he came in at the end of Henrik Lundqvist's career and the start of Igor Shostakovich's, And that is just crappy timing for Alexander Georgiev. He could be a starter or a goalie that forges a tandem with another goalie on plenty of other teams in the NHL. Off the top of my head, I'm thinking Edmonton could use a guy like Georgiev. So I definitely expect Georgiev not to be in a Rangers jersey, either by the trade deadline or in the offseason. It's become overly apparent that he needs a fresh start elsewhere. And he was as dejected as I've seen him in a Rangers jersey uh, the other night after the Minnesota game. And I think Gallant said it best um, when he was talking about it. He obviously said he feels for him. He can't imagine how tough it is on him. Earlier in the day, he said he deserved better as far as how they've dealt with his playing time. And I mean, the last two starts that he had, he was a month in between. And, and from what we've seen is he needs consistent playing time in order to be on the top of his game. And that's not a far out concept at all that that's valid. It makes sense. So I, I feel for him, but you know what I will say, and the other writers and I were talking about this after the game with the dynamic, with the team and no locker room access and them cherry picking the players that we get to talk to night in and night out. Georgiev easily could have said that he didn't want to talk to us after that game easily. And he wouldn't have had to, but he came out and he was accountable and he and said all the right things. He, you know, I asked him to evaluate his game. He was like, I don't want to, it's been tough. It's been frustrating. And, you know, but he talked about it and he, was accountable. And that's, that's a trait that I think is great to advertise to other teams, because I think that's going to make it more likely for another team to want to take a chance on him and to see if what kind of potential he has and, and if he can step into either a starter's role or forge a tandem with someone because he has it in him. I genuinely think that right now in his circumstances, he is so in his head he is so overthinking it. And we we asked him and, and he did say no. But I mean, what is he going to say? Yes. To the fact that getting these spread out starts, does he put more pressure on himself to make those starts count? And he was like, no, you know, I try to treat every game as an opportunity, every shot as an opportunity. And that's, you know, just kind of a generic response. But, you know, it's true. It's the nature of the game and, and the nature of sports, too, I feel so. It's a really unfortunate situation for Georgiev, but I am confident that he will go elsewhere. Another team will trade for him or pick him up and uh, he'll get a fresh start elsewhere. Molly, is it okay for me to disagree with you? <laughs> go ahead, please. I, You're probably uh, not the only person. <laughs> yeah, listen, the one thing I can agree on with you is that he's a, he's a good kid, likable kid. He's doing his best. And I don't know if I buy into, I, I mean, to a certain extent, I buy into playing time. 
I just watch practices and practices are almost like games. I mean, these, they play at a fast pace. Shots are coming from everywhere. So you can own your skill and get yourself ready to play in a game and these practices. And often they have, you can stay after practice, take shots, do this, do that. And so I think that even though he hasn't played, it wouldn't make a difference. He's still He's in tough practices. So I think he could get himself ready. I don't know if Steve Ellicott would agree with me on this. I don't think he has the skill set to be a starter. Now, he's had some good games. We've seen it like two years ago. Um, I don't think it's either the skill set or his mindset. It's, it might be a combination of two. But I don't think – I think most teams have seen his last two years. I don't think anyone's going to take a chance on him. I don't believe anyone is going to trade for him. If he's not a good backup for the Rangers, I don't think he's going to be a good backup anywhere else. Because if you can't play as a backup and just step in, because most teams are going to have their starters. I don't think he's a starter. So that's kind of my take on it. I like the kid. I just don't see his skill set. And uh, so that remains to be seen. On the positive side, Keandre. Uh, Yes, that's exactly who I would like to talk about as well. (laughs) We're on the the same wavelength here, Ron. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Keandre Miller, uh, last game in Minnesota, uh, his first time playing in this home state. You know, when you look at his numbers, he had five hits. He was a little more physical. Of course, he level of excitement playing in front of family and friends. When you're thinking of his progress, he appears to be more assertive, more Uh, handling the puck, more willing to try things. Although we would like to see end up with five hits a game, right? Be a little more physical. So what are you seeing out of Keandre Miller? That Minnesota game was by far and away his most physical game at a Rangers jersey. By far, he was throwing the body. He was up against the glass. He threw his shoulder into Kaprizov and knocked him on his behind like it was nobody's business to stop a, a rush chance cold dead in its tracks. Like it was a quintessential hockey play. It was electric watching it from above. Truly, it was it was amazing. And I just think that he, you know, he got a couple goals, couple of pretty goals. And I think that he is just, it's the game is starting to slow down for him. I think, you know, let's not all forget that he's in his second season and he's 22, 22 years old. I think he's so young. And when you think about it in hindsight too, he stepped onto this team as a rookie and has been playing top four minutes in the NHL since that first day. Like he has had a tremendous workload, has shouldered a lot of responsibilities since he made his debut. And, you know, it's not all, especially for defensemen is what I've heard from just talking to players and around the league and stuff is that it's more difficult for defensemen. So the fact that it's kind of coming together for him right now with going into the last stretch of his sophomore season it's not too bad. You know, I think people are just a little impatient and I think people need to be a little bit more patient, but I know you Ron personally have been calling for him to be more physical. And I agree with that, but that Minnesota game, he brought the physicality, no doubt. Yeah. Well, I see him as a headman out of Tampa. He's a similar type player. You don't have to be overly physical, but when you have that kind of size, the one thing I saw, they play against Pittsburgh and I didn't like this at all. Uh, Crosby, see players know, other players they know if you're going to respond to a cross check cross Crosby was in front of that with them in front of that and he must have cross checked him at least three times and there was no response I'm like you know what this is this kind of stuff that you got to respond to even though it's Sidney Crosby you got to do something 
right? Especially when you're size. I think he just, it's like Lafreniere. He said, I've never gotten in a fight before. If you don't know the feeling of getting in a fight, where well, you're going to shy away because you don't want to be embarrassed. And I think it's the same thing with him. I'm not telling him to go get in a fight, but it wouldn't be the worst thing. And what this game did, the Minnesota game, I'm going to believe that the coaches are going to bring him in or they did already say, hey, look it, best game of the year. Physical, that's what we're liking. That's what we're expecting. You want to go to the next level? We're happy with you. You want to go to the next level? That's what you need to add to this game, especially going to the playoffs. I mean, he could be so impactful to be more physical. And uh, and I know Gerard Gallant is probably going to have that kind of private talk with him. I love it. Now we need to see more of it. So that's kind of wait and see what happens. Anyways, Molly, do we have questions today from uh, our fans? We do, Jake. Yeah. Do we us do. the honors. We do have some questions. And, and this episode, the soundtrack would be uh, ABBA. As you guys said, take a chance on me. Take a chance on Georgie would be the uh, soundtrack to this episode. And Molly, happy birthday. You have a gift waiting in your text messages right now. Uh, that mid-show, I feel like, there you go. A little uh, a little gift card action. You could get yourself some... Uh, happy uh, birthday! A bottle Yay. of water something from amazon there you Thank go Thank you. Uh, i don't know what you purchase on amazon you get yourself uh i don't know oh make- there's plenty of stuff on amazon don't you worry <laughs> all right there you go all right now the reader questions there's a lot of them we'll go through these quickly before we get to larry brooks first from daniel cassidy and wheaton griffin cool name what is the point of keeping baron up if he's never going to play any more on why baron is benched so we actually talked to Galant about this today after practice in St. Louis. My understanding from that conversation was they want Barron to continue developing with the team at this level. Do I agree with that? I'm not sure because I do think that he should be getting consistent playing time in order to be doing that. But I do see the idea behind wanting to keep him with the team with the dynamic of the team and being able to monitor his development and let him, you know, work things out and practice and stuff like that. But I am a little perplexed about how Johnny Brodzinski and Tim Gettinger are now uh, ahead of him in the Rangers depth chart, it seems. And no knock on those guys at all, especially Johnny Brodzinski. He's been solid. He's been fine. You know, he's stepped in. He's been rather reliable. And I don't see a problem with him at all. That being said, I feel like Morgan Barron does have a bit more of an upside and and he was evaluated as a little bit more of a top tier prospect. So it is a little puzzling to me that he hasn't gotten in the lineup with how many injuries they've had. But all that tells me is that the coaching staff and front office clearly see something in his game that is just too big of a risk for them to keep in the lineup right now. Yeah, when it comes to my thoughts on that is that, um, you know, when you when you think about sending him down to the minors, he's going to get play him time. He's going to be on a power play, kill penalties. He's got he may get 25 minutes of playing time. Things are a little bit slower, has an opportunity to uh, score goals, gain some confidence. But the thing with what they're thinking probably is keeping him on the team. Even I go back to practice. These practices are a good place for players to develop just to feel the pace of the game because they're going fast. Molly, you've seen them in practice. It's at a fast pace. So to have them in practice and to feel that and to be around leadership, be around older players, learn how to be a professional. I think that might be the, it might be what they're thinking versus being in the minors because the minors things slow down. The mindset of the players is different. They're minor leaguers. 
They're not NHLers. So I think they're allowing him to develop in a different way. All righty. This question, similar to what you guys addressed earlier from several people, Don Benson, Raphael Lebovitz, Jim Moon, Tim Mayer, Joseph Maliambro, William Gallo, and William Casolo. Who do you think would give Georgiev a chance to be a number one? And what can the Rangers get back from given his recent numbers and gameplay? Can the Rangers send him down to Hartford? to get some work in before he starts another game for the blue shirts. Well, my short answer, no team in the NHL. And, uh, <laughs> we already heard Ron's you answer. Heard that? And so, uh, Molly, you're, can, they can send him to the minors, correct? How I, does that work? I think he would require waivers. I think at this point, he's played too many NHL games that he would require waivers. There's still a possibility that the Rangers will let him walk for nothing. You know, like, I don't think that they'll do that just because they need a backup right now. But that is a possibility. I don't think that they're going to qualify him and they could trade his rights, but that is a testament to finding another team that is willing to trade. And I, I, I know for a fact that they've shopped, that they shopped him in the off season. Um, they've shopped him even before this past off season. Um, and I do think that they probably missed their window of when his trade value is at his highest. And that was when he was getting offers of probably like third, second round picks at best. My understanding is that the Rangers wanted higher, which I think is a little astronomical. And I think that they lost their window. But I mentioned, I think Edmonton could use him there. You know, teams are always looking, you know, to to pad out their goalies, I think. So I guess we'll just have to see what happens. All righty. Alan Bosick wants to know, where would you play Kako when he comes back? That guy's going right back into uh, the second line, I think. The right wing spot uh, where Dryden Hunt is right now. I think that he started to get a, a bit of a feel for that spot. And uh, just as he did, that's when the inj- injury struck. So... I think that they'll slot him right back onto that second line. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised though. That's where they want him to end up, but I wouldn't be surprised if they pull him back on a third, not on the fourth line, but on the third line, just to get him going again. And once they see he's got a hop in his step, some confidence with the puck, then they'll bring him back up. All right. From Gerard Mayer Hofer and James Colpus, I get that Julian Gauthier is a great skater, et cetera, but it is proven that he can't score. I get he has some value on the forecheck, but does he deserve to suit up if he continues to not score? Right now, with the way that their roster is and the injuries that they have, he is their best option. And <laughs> I mean, I've tried a couple times to to ask him, you know, what the disconnect is. Why hasn't he made adjustments when he gets to the net? Why he hasn't focused on making that extra move or or controlling when he gets to the net like that, because I look at him and and he's one of the few guys on this team that has the size, strength, and speed to get to the net like that, to body somebody, to get them, pin them on his hip and get there. It's just then he gets there and nothing happens. And I can't imagine how frustrating that must be for him and for the Rangers as a whole, but at least he's getting there and, you know, getting the puck on net at times. And that, no matter what, that it can create opportunities. So at the moment, he is their best option of their selection. Yeah, and, and when you watch him play, you feel like we can't give up on this guy because all it takes is for a game or two, he gets a, he pops in a goal or two and another two goals. And all of when a sudden, it clicks. <laughs> when it clicks, you, want, you wouldn't want this guy to click on another team. 
he does have the size and speed and he's got more physical. He's a lot more engaged. I like his game. He's just not finishing. All righty. I would, uh, LGR 1968 forever. Mr. Anonymous, I would like to hear from Ron Duguay about how difficult it is to get up for 82 games and what causes a stinker like Tuesday night. Well, I would say that uh, it's not hard to get up for 82 games. When you think about what you do, when you get paid to do to play hockey and to be for me being a New York Ranger or even playing Detroit and L.A., I loved it. I mean, I played 82 games. Really, what once what the difficult part is towards the end is that you want to get into the playoffs. You may get at game 70, you know what, let's just get started. Let's want to play for the Stanley Cup because that's where the real fun part is. But playing 82 games and getting paid to be an athlete, to play hockey, oh, my God, it's uh, there's nothing better. So as far as games that uh, kind of get away from you, it's about good bounces, bad bounces. You might feel like you're ready uh, to play the game, which you like to think you're always ready, but the other team uh, gets a good bounce. You're down two goals, and they get some momentum. You're playing in, in a visiting arena there's momentum there there's energy there and it just kind of happens as a coach because i've been a coach you have a sense that it's not a lack of trying it's just that the other team is just playing better and so that's where it's upon a coach to kind of try to slow things down have a talk with their players regroup and try to play hard every shift right to the end all right from robert hanley i'm a big believer in mvp heart award being awarded to a player that if removed from that old team would have the biggest negative impact on the team. In addition, I think a non-playoff team really shouldn't have an MVP candidate as the team didn't succeed with that player. How can they be an MVP? Do the writers who are voting have similar views? And if so, do you think this eliminates Drysdale McDavid if the Oilers don't make the playoffs? If so, this to me would leave the heart down to Igor and Matthews and of course, as a Ranger fan and watcher of a good deal of hockey, anyone who watches can see Igor is hands down the league MVP. What's the early whispers amongst the writers, Molly? Yeah, Molly, I'm going to ask you a question on this, and I'll let you answer it. Because some, some are because the talk of Igor because of how well he's playing, but some are saying if he doesn't play enough games, does he really qualify if he doesn't play enough games? As a goaltender, do you have to play a certain amount of games? No, I don't think so. I think I I agree. I agree with the question. I agree that you should look at the heart as taking that player out of the lineup would have the most significant negative effect. And as we saw in Minnesota a couple of days ago, that's exactly what happens to the Rangers when Igor Shosturkin is not in net to bring his heroics and to keep teams under two goals almost every night. It just, it has such an impact on the team. And we've talked to the players about, I mean, we talked to Ryan Reeves today. He, when you have a goalie like Igor behind you, the confidence that you have, that he's going to make every stop that needs to be made. It gives you a little extra jump in your step. It makes you just a little bit more hungry to get that goal for him. He makes a huge save. All you want to do is get down to the other end of the ice and put one in for him, you know? So I definitely think that I I think right now it's Igor and Austin Matthews. Really, um, Austin Matthews has had an unbelievable season. He's been a scoring machine. And I think that just because of the way that the NHL works and, and I writers and how they think right now, I would vote for Igor. But a couple weeks ago, I did say that I thought it was going to be Matthews. And right now, I think it's anybody's trophy, truly. 
Paul Andrechkovics. Does Jeff Gordon being in Montreal and JD being in Columbus make the chances of a trade with those teams more likely, less likely, or about the same as it would have been were Gordon and JD still with the Rangers? I think that with Jeff Gordon in particular, I think there I think right now it might be may, might be more likely just because Jeff Gordon like he had such a big part in the Rangers prospect pool and, and their assets. So he knows them like the back of his hand. He knows the value that some of these players have. So for those reasons, I think that there is a good chance that Jeff Gordon could want to do business with Chris Drury and reacquire some of those guys that he brought in himself. Um, JD, my understanding is that you can't always part on good terms. And, and I don't really think that it was on good terms. So for those reasons, I don't know if I'd say less likely, but I'd say about the same and, and maybe just a, a little bit of a reluctancy. <laughs> all righty. Thanks to all the listeners for your questions. Coming up next set up in the blue seats is our own Larry Brooks. I'm, I'm over the cold. I'm over it. Hockey Hall of Fame Rangers beat writer at the post, Larry Brooks. I, I think there's room for different styles. There's room for different resumes. Are you sick of me after spending three straight days in the car next to this face? <laughs> it was a rather pleasant experience, I have to say. Because you've been doing this, what, for over 40 years. It's an important part of the experience to understand the fabric of a team. Giving Henrik Lundqvist his nickname is, is one of the coolest things in my entire career. He blames or gives credit to you for that nickname, so there you go. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, Lara, I'm in agreement with you. No. <laughs> okay. It was great to get to know Brooksy, and he became part of my journey. You know, he was there every day. One year, the Islanders gave out bathrobes that uh, lasted for about a game. <laughs> you know, guys were walking around in their bathrobes, like, what, what is this? We're only seeing the tip of the iceberg. All right, can we ask Larry a, a, a yeah. hockey question? We... It's a two part answer. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Yes, let's welcome in Larry Brooks. You can follow Larry at NYP underscore Brooksy and read him at nypost.com as well as in the physical copy of the paper and on Post Sports Plus. Larry, the trade deadline is right around the corner. We all have talked so much about what the Rangers need. What are the actual latest rumblings that you have heard about who or what kind of player they're going after before March 21st? Well, I keep hearing that they're looking to solidify the third line and they're looking to sue, uh, solidify the defense. They add some depth on D, add pieces in middle six, if they can get someone to move into the top six. But, you know, part of that is complicated by Kako's status. You know, when he comes back, which maybe in a couple of weeks it is the way it sounds, is he reinserted into the top six? Does he become a third line player? I, I think kind of, what's kind of been overlooked a little bit is that in getting Kako back, they are actually getting a top six piece back for nothing. You know, it's no compensation. They get this player who's been injured now for, for a, a stretch back into their lineup. So he is somebody. The other thing I've been told is that the likelihood is from people who know the way Chris Drury operates is that anything that happens is likely to happen closer to the deadline than sooner. And that he's a guy who 
you know, is as we've talked about forever, as, as you know, I wrote the first day he was hired. Uh, he's very methodical. Uh, he doesn't rush into anything. So I'm told that, you know, the likelihood is that he will wait until he sees what the best deal is. And, and again, as, as the season is just a couple of weeks left, more time, more teams will declare themselves as sellers as the, as the deadline approaches. So can they make the big move? You know, I don't know. Is the big move JT Miller? I guess that's dependent upon what Vancouver is demanding because I, I had thought for a stretch and still believe that JT Miller would be a great ad for this team, not only for this year, but for next year. I think it is worth mentioning. I saw today that JT Miller did say he doesn't think he's getting traded. <laughs> he was like, I don't, I don't think that's happening. I don't, I think that's just out there. So I thought that was very interesting. So we'll see something else I wanted to ask you about. I've seen a lot of discourse online about how Artemi Panarin and Adam Fox have looked a tad off in recent games. I'm just curious, what have you seen? No, I think so. Uh, and in fact, I, I've just written about that. I, I think Panarin's been off for an extended stretch. I'm not sure exactly what's going on with him. I don't think he's looked the same really since he's come back in January. I think there's just, he's a little bit off. And I, I don't think the Rangers can reach their potential with Panarin playing as, you know, generally ordinary as he's been at five on five. He's, he's a big time power play player. We know we know about how important the power play is to the team. You know, he's not having a bad year, but he certainly is not at the level he was two years ago. And I don't think he's at the level he was last year. And I don't think he's at the level he was the first couple of months of the season either. So they can add around the edges. They can improve the third line. But if Artemi Panarin is a somewhat ordinary player, then they're, they're going nowhere. I think Adam... I think Adam looks a little bit worn down to me. Um, you know, there's a lot on Adam Fox. Uh, he's, you know, he he won the Norris Trophy for a reason. People, I, I think teams are attacking him. Uh, teams are game planning against him. I think he's, he's playing a lot. He's playing, um, in fact, this is what I write also. Um, I, I believe he's played the seventh most minutes in the league over, you know, this year and last year. Seventh most. He's not an especially big guy. Now, he doesn't get pounded because of his uh, ability to escape, but he's. I think he's getting hit a little bit more because there's more attention paid to him. Um, I think you have to expect that to continue. Certainly expect that in the playoffs. So I would actually like to see the coach cut down his minutes as we go from here to the end of the season. He's, he's averaging around 24. You know, I, I think getting him down to 22, 21 over the, the remaining games is, 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 is a target. You know, there's some nights obviously where it's, it's easier to play him a lot more. You know, he's not getting hit. It's a free flowing game, but uh, I'm not sure he needs all the penalty killing time. We haven't learned the nature of the injury he had in, in January that kept him out for a few games. And then he returned after the break, whether that's bothering him or not is, you know, it's impossible for me to say, but I, I do think he looks a little bit worn down. I agree with you with Jones. There's, I, I don't believe like you, I don't believe he needs all that ice time, especially killing penalties. I think in penalty killing, there's a lot of shots that are going to the net players get hurt. I could see using him in certain types of games or late in the game, possibly in the third period, but to give him that that kind of eyesight, because it grinds defensemen down. So if you're thinking about resting him, I, I don't believe that he needs to be there. They'd be just fine without him. My question is this. 
I guess another comment. <laughs> I'm in Las Vegas right now, and uh, there's a lot of gambling going on here. And as if I was to, and, and some of it is hockey, because I'm here doing a hockey event with Bernie Nichols and Graham Fuhrer, Mike Keenan, Jeremy Roenick. If only you could sit in the ba- back of the bus and listen to some of the stories. But here's a question to you with Chris Kreider scoring the way he is. And finally, the Rangers have a real pure goal scorer who has an opportunity to win the uh, Rocket Richard Award. So I'm asking you if you were a better, which I know you're not. (laughs) The odds are there's Matthews, Dreisaitl, and Kreider. What order would you put them in? Let's say it's the end of the season. If you were a betting man, if I were a betting man, um, I would I would go Matthews, Drysital, probably Kreider. And the reason the reason I have Chris third is because he's he, you know so many of his goals are scored on the power play, and the Rangers are um, earning fewer and fewer power play opportunities as the year goes on. And that that is, if not a concern, something for them to look at. And I think it was addressed actually after the Minnesota game. And the question was asked of Ryan Strom, but I've written about it. Um, I wrote about it a couple of weeks ago. That, and, and I think we talked about it actually last week. The the standard, the the officiating standard changes as it gets later in the year. It changes as it gets to the playoffs, and more is allowed to go on. There were fewer penalties called. The Rangers aren't, you know, the Rangers just aren't drawing very many power plays at all they're they're you know zero one or two a game now for the most part and that's what you know that's and and that's part of the reason and and actually the major reason why i would have Kreider third in that contest though <laughs> it, it uh, doesn't diminish what he's done and it doesn't diminish his ability to score all right well thanks so much for your time larry we'll chat again next week right, thanks guys I would prefer to be by the pool but talking hockey with you guys is always fun as well that wraps up episode 79, Ron, the Keandre Miller edition of Up in the Blue Seats, our Rangers podcast from the New York Post. Yeah, well, thank you, Jake, for producing the show. You and Andrew Hartz, you do a wonderful job and another wonderful show today. Yeah, it was confusing figuring out the time of the show because we're in three time zones. I'm New York, you're Vegas, Molly's in St. Louis. So we had Eastern, Central, and Western all represented. Now, are you in like a luxury suite room? Because you have like gold above you. And the- is this like the built more sweet what kind of room are you in right now i do have a nice room and it's gold it, it almost feels like it's an elvis presley room but it's not it's a new hotel it's the circa and we've been invited to stay here myself and sarah and because uh, with sarah she gets sweets <laughs> and i get the benefit of it so beautiful view behind me uh, i've enjoyed my time here I'm going to be leaving uh, tomorrow, but uh, it's just good to get to be around other NHLers, alumni players. We just have a good time talking old time hockey. Is it interesting for you being the one sometimes who has to take the photo with her and say a fan or someone and you're the other guy? You know, not everyone knows you, but they know her. What is that dynamic like? Well, it's all new to me, but yes, often that's what happens because people want to do selfies, right? Often people, older people don't like to do selfies because they don't always come out right. And so I'll take the I'll take the phone. I'll take the pictures. And they are like, by the way, who are you? <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, this is all new to me. There you go. Hi, I'm Ron Dubier. Do us a favor. Give us a five star rating. Write a nice review on Apple Podcasts. You could also give us a five star rating on Spotify. We appreciate it. From Ron Dubier, Molly Walker, Andrew Hartz. I'm Jake Brown. 
We will return with a new episode next Thursday. Enjoy the next week of Ranger games. Thanks for listening to Up in the Blue Seats and in my best Vanna White voice. Bye-bye now. I'm wearing food. Like, that should be a sign that I need to lose weight. That is the most on-brand thing I think I may have ever heard from you.